Triple Whale has just launched a simple finance platform called FinHub, and I'm already loving it. One simple dashboard for all the tools and accounts you're already using, so you can gain clarity with your consolidated data, your real-time cash flow, your accrual P&Ls. It's designed to help those brands that are built on Shopify to operate smarter. So go over to triplewhale.com and check it out. We're sure as heck getting you know free returns from that video, and I say free because it's 90 days later and we've already factored in the cost three months ago, but people are still watching that content. Welcome back to Pit Stop. Joining me again today is Brad, who's the Chief Growth Officer over at the Outloud Group. They are a full-fledged influencer marketing agency, which is what we are talking about today. Influencer marketing, that's the topic of the week. Last episode was some do's and don'ts of influencer marketing. So if you're thinking of just getting started, maybe you're a legacy brand, go check that episode out. This episode is all about measuring the success of influencer marketing and avoiding costly mistakes, which I think everyone listening to the podcast enjoys. So hopefully on your way into work, out to get a coffee, you're listening to the episode. If I can save you a ton of money on your influencer marketing, let me know by leaving a five-star review. Brad, welcome back to Pit Stop. Thanks, Lucas. It's great to be with you again. My pleasure. So let's jump into it. Obviously, some KPIs and metrics when it comes to influencer marketing. What are those metrics? And we talked about this a little bit in the previous episode, and I think it's really important to think about influencer marketing as a full funnel marketing channel. So first bucket, you know, upper funnel is really awareness, second mid funnel consideration, and and finally lower funnel is, is conversion. So depending on what platform you're using, the individual metrics are going to be a little bit different. But for the sake of this conversation, we can maybe just talk about YouTube. But really, if you're doing something on on Instagram or or TikTok, the principles are are certainly the same. I think the upper funnel metrics are, are something that's pretty straightforward to understand. So we're going to be looking at the number of views a piece of content gets. We're going to be looking at the efficiency of those views, right? So it's not just the number, but it's how much did you pay for each of those views or or a CPM view. We do want to look at the engagement with the content. This is a little less valuable in YouTube than maybe some other influencer channels, because on YouTube, people are going to be engaging with the core content of the video and not necessarily the portion of the video that the creator is advocating for the brand. So in yesterday's episode, you referred to Mark Rober's work with Bose and the video wasn't necessarily all about Bose, but it was really about the science of sound. And then during the portion where Mark advocated for Bose is actually a small part of the video. We, a lot of times we'll see likes and engagements in a video that's actually not about the brand. So I think people tend to over-index sort of engagement on YouTube, but I think that's something that's pretty important in other platforms. Those are really the key things from an awareness perspective. And then when you start to get into the the middle funnel, I think this is where it gets a lot more interesting. So the the first thing is we're going to be looking at is what's the click-through rate? So how many people who are watching a piece of content on a platform, again, in this example, YouTube, are now going from YouTube's platform over to the brand's website, or maybe it's an app store um, if you're trying to encourage a, a download, whatever the case may be. But now we get a chance to see like, okay, what percentage of the people watching a video are actually going over to the brand's website? And where this gets really interesting really quickly is that there's both attributable and unattributable traffic. Because we know there's a lot of people who are riding the subway and going to work 
or maybe out mowing the lawn, whatever the case may be, they might not be in a position where they can click on that link at that point and explore, but they're gonna come back and they're gonna go to your website at another point in time and they might not go and use the vanity URL. They may just go directly to the brand's website or someone might not like to click vanity URLs altogether and they might just directly enter in your brand's name into, into Google. So there's sort of an unattributable piece, which we can talk about because we've, we've done a lot to give folks a pretty good estimate of, of what unattributable traffic is. But regardless, you now have people on the brand's website. And the question is really, how efficiently have you done this? What is the cost per web session that you're delivering? So that's something that's really important to track. And then we wanna see what's the quality of the traffic on the site. So how many page views are we getting? How much time are you spending on the site? And those are really important aspects of what's happening in the consideration bucket. And then finally, you know, moving into conversion, we're gonna start to look at what are we looking at in terms of the click-through rate going from the website to a conversion. And to what extent are we seeing that coming in to your site from influencer who are educated and informed already thanks to the creator, how are they performing relative to other visitors to your website? And then from there, I think it's pretty straightforward. What's the purchase price? What are we looking at from a recurring revenue perspective? What are we seeing from a cross-selling lifetime value perspective? But you know, I think one of the biggest, most important parts in terms of measurement, again, is like, hey, we need to look at this from a full funnel perspective. And we also need to understand that there's a lot of people who are not gonna click on the link that we historically would consider sort of attributable to the website, but there's a lot of ways that you can still get a very good estimate of, of what that unattributable traffic is on, on the brand's website. So that's a bit of a mouthful, Lucas, but I think when it comes to measuring influencer, there's a lot to try to understand. So I try to distill as much of that as I could as, as quickly as possible there. Do you place any emphasis on long-term engagement. So for example, let's just use easy numbers. So you, you do the Mark Roper promotion and it costs $100 to do. You sell $105 worth of products within a week. And then over the next two years, you continuously see $10 worth of products come in. So you end up making say $1,000 off of that $100 investment, but you had a very fast payback period. You account for that in any sort of the efficiency metrics or some of, I'll even call them unattainable or secondary metrics or value adds of influencer marketing. I think you hit on a really important topic here. A lot of times content that's out there online lives more or less in perpetuity. So especially if we're, if we're talking about YouTube and we're talking about science videos like Mark Rober, well, science videos aren't very time bound, right? People are gonna be interested in understanding how sound works in 2022 and 2023 and probably for many years thereafter. And so what happens is a lot of times brands will work together with science creators or different verticals where the content is, is largely evergreen in terms of its relevance. And then they'll see that they're getting measurable, meaningful returns on that investment. Yes, right away, because videos get a lot of views right out of the gates but they'll continue to see you know, value on those videos for months and years to come. And one of the things I like to say is, hey, we wanna to start to get the flywheel spinning with influencer. And what we mean by that is, it might be three months after the video has gone live and we're no longer assigning costs to that video, but we're still, if we're looking at the influencer program as a whole, we're sure as heck getting, you know, quote unquote, free returns 
from that video, and I say free because it's 90 days later and we've, we've already factored in the cost three months ago, but people are still watching that content. People are still clicking the link. People are still making purchases. And so it's really important for brands, you know, especially if they're working with creators that have you know, content that stays relevant for longer, to be able to open up their attribution window a little bit longer. Because in the example you used, yeah, you definitely see purchases right away. You see website traffic right away. But guess what? If you're talking about maybe home security, maybe it's three months later when you wake up in the middle of the night and you, you could swear someone's breaking into your house. What are you going to do? You're going to go to simplysafe.com because you remembered hearing about SimpliSafe through one of the creators that they work with. You know, maybe it was two months ago. Even going back to the unattainable revenue. So I have the Bose frames sunglasses and I put them on and my friend says, okay, this is stupid. Like, why would I do this? He puts them on, tries them and then goes and buys them. So because of that Mark Roper video, they sold two pairs of their frame sunglasses, but there's no way that a referral a year down the road can ever be attributed. That part's true. I mean, marketing will never be perfect. If anyone tells you they can attribute 100% of uh, your, your sales, you should question them pretty significantly. What you can do, and this is sort of what I was alluding to earlier, you can start to understand what's that unattributable traffic. We did a, a pretty significant clickstream data study together with Avast, which is, we all know the drill by now. If, if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. So if in exchange for that free internet, you're able to be you know, tracked around in an aggregated, anonymized way. And so we looked at a panel of folks who'd watched content from these creators with brand integrations, and we could see what their behavior was. But in that first month, what we saw is that for every one attributable transaction that, that we saw from people who clicked the link in the vanity URL, there was actually three additional purchases that happened from that panel of people who watched that content. And for every one person who went to the to the website, there was actually five additional. So we were only looking at one quarter of the purchases and one sixth of the traffic to a website when we were looking at folks who went through that attributable link. But we could get this information again because we could look at it from a user's perspective through clickstream data study. So I think it's it's really important to understand that yeah, some of it might not be attributable, but you can you can leverage some of the studies that exist out there to really understand what's that ratio of a quote unquote attributable versus quote unquote unattributable traffic to the brand's website. So I think that's one of the most powerful things that exists out there is really being able to understand what impact influencer marketing is having when it comes to traffic and sales on a brand's website. I think we could harp on the uh, analytics all day, but we have a, a couple minutes left here. What are some of the costly mistakes you see brands making? Strategically, one of the things I see that happens a lot is brands look at trying to have their content at the beginning of a creator's piece of content on podcasts or, or on video. And, and the truth is we're, we're pretty trained to click through anything before the content that we want to see. And so if you, you know, sticking with YouTube, if, if you're served a pre-roll ad by the YouTube platform, you've clicked skip ads and you've got your finger on the trigger. So if you immediately see an ad from the creator, you're probably going to drag past it pretty quickly. So that's one of the mistakes that brands will make a lot of times. They're saying, well, you know, there's not going to be as many people that are watching it at the middle of the video or at the end, which is true, but there's huge value in being able to have folks who have a little bit more time to be able to consume your content, your video. So that's one of the things that I see a lot of brands make a mistake in is trying to have their, their content at the beginning. The other thing I think brands not investing the time, energy, and, and effort to create solid landing pages to be able to serve as the bridge between the social media platform 
and the brand's content. When someone's used to looking at the creator, they're really vested in a particular creator, and then you go to the landing page and it just seems like the brand, there's a missed opportunity. It's not necessarily bad doing it that way, but there's an opportunity that exists to really further cement the, that creator as being connected to the brand. So I think that's one of the mistakes that we see from maybe a more specific measurement perspective. All too often I see brands only looking at something over a shortened period of time, like, hey, we only are gonna look at conversions for the first seven days. So they're really not getting an accurate view of what's happening with that piece of content. That can certainly be a miss, or sometimes brands will only look at things in terms of the upper funnel value or the lower funnel value, and it goes back to like, hey, we wanna make sure we're looking at value across the entire funnel. So I think those are some of the mistakes that, that I typically see with brands as they're in early stages of trying to run and measure a successful influencer marketing program. I think all of those are great tips. I mean, even just getting a landing page for the creator is such a strong takeaway where if you're working with a big enough creator and you're big enough, you want that if people end up searching for them like Bose Mark Rober, you want that landing page to come back and highlight some of the work you've been doing. Well, Brad, thank you so much for joining me. Don't forget to share this episode with your mother-in-law, maybe even your favorite creator. Share it with them in the comments of their YouTube video. They will appreciate the game of the algorithm. Make sure you hit that follow button on Spotify, subscribe on Apple. And if you're listening on an Amazon Alexa device, well, it's a kind of a Shopify podcast. So, so cool. See you tomorrow. Steel switched to OmniSend and immediately saw a lift in revenue. They started automating their welcome series, card abandonment series, and their post-purchase messaging. Just like Baking Steel is the perfect upgrade for your kitchen, OmniSend is the perfect upgrade for your Shopify store's marketing automation. 70,000 customers from home and kitchen brands to consumables and everything in between trust OmniSend. If you're not using a marketing automation platform that connects directly with Shopify, what are you waiting for? Don't leave revenue on the table this BFCM. Triple Whale is doing some amazing things nowadays. They're developing just a huge range of tools to help your brand stay informed and scale. And Whale Mail is where you can get all these details. So head over to triplewhale.com and sign up today.